Welcome to another episode of Blood, Fear, and Beer. My name's Alicia. My name is Greg. And today we are talking about Alicia's worst nightmare, the movie. Every aspect of it. Every aspect of it. Holy shit. I've never seen you this scared in a movie. So we're kind of trying something a little bit new today with recording because normally we'll watch a movie one week and then record a podcast the following weekend. But we just watched this movie last night. And this movie so deeply affected me that I wanted to talk about it right away. And I also wanted to kind of get it out of my system so I don't have to think about it for the rest of the week because it scared the living shit out of me. Your pulse still seems like it's a little high. It is. I'm still sweating. My pulse is high. It was terrifying. And I remember on several episodes when we were talking about movies that affected us and scared us, I always talk about Hereditary And how that was the scariest movie I've ever seen. And I definitely, I don't think this would be the case for most people who watch this movie, unless you're like an avid hiker slash camper. But this was the most scared I can remember being in a movie as an adult. You straight up had a panic attack. Yeah, guys, this movie gave me a goddamn panic attack. No joke. No joke. No joke. You were there. You saw it. So we're talking about backcountry. Not Bat Country, because you can't stop in Bat Country. I thought for sure we were watching <laughs> Bat Country. Back Country. Either my ears had cotton in them, or you didn't pronounce it. It could or have been a combination both. Of both. I think it was a combination of the two, but this one Either was... Either way, yeah. it was a good movie. It was a very good movie. So this one was written and directed by Adam McDonald, and it was his directorial debut. And this was the same writer-director who did Pie Whack It. So, which, loved. which I loved. So I've been curious about checking this one out for a while. I had heard good things about it. I didn't really know a whole lot about it besides the fact that it was about a couple who gets lost in the Canadian wilderness and chaos ensues. But I was not prepared for this movie. No, you were not. <laughs> so how are you feeling after that? Did it did it get to you at all? Did it get into your really. skin? No? I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a good movie and it was... Like, scary kind of while watching it. But as you touched upon, I really don't think that unless you are a camper, hiker, backpacker, and you've you've been in these situations, that it would be scary to you. Like, if you don't do any of that stuff, I really have a hard time seeing anyone enjoying this movie. Me too. Yeah. So just keep that in mind before we get into the discussion, before we spoil anything. If you think you would enjoy a horror movie about what can go wrong when you're camping, definitely check it out. And also just keep in mind that if you 
have any kind of sensitivity to gore, just proceed with caution. Or don't proceed. Or don't watch it, because it's pretty damn intense. Definitely yeah. a gruesome... There's a gruesome... I don't know if the movie's not gruesome, but there is an extremely gruesome scene. Yeah, I'm not okay <laughs> after that scene. I guess worst case scenario, you'll know when the scene's coming. Yeah. And so, avert your eyes. And maybe your ears. And your ears. Because the sounds are pretty upsetting. Yeah. Put it yeah. on mute. I wish I had. <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, I need a drink. So I'm, wait, I'm like salivating I know. like a dog here. Look at this thing. Look at it. Look at it. That's a gorgeous Isn't brew it? you have there. What are you drinking? I have another delicious frosty ale from the, I'm going to butcher it again, the Unibrow? How would... Unibrow? I think we just said Unibrow. That's Unibrow. Fine. Okay, we're calling it Unibrow Brewing you can throw Company. Some, some flair on it. Unibrow. 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 Whatever. Unibrow <laughs> Brewing Company. This is Le Fin du Monde, and it is a Belgian style triple ale, sitting at a hefty 9%. Damn. And I have liked just about every beer that I've tried from them so far. They make really, really good beer. Yeah, that's, that's pretty tasty. Pretty good beer? Yeah. You want to try it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a nice beer. What are you sipping on? Well, what I'm about to sip on is brew from the Alesmith Brewing Company in collaboration with the, is that Alvarado? Yeah, Alvarado. Alvarado Street Brewing Company from New Zealand, I believe. Oh, wow. So it's a West Coast slash New Zealand hop conglomeration. And I got to say, I was just looking at this, the can for this thing. I love a black can. I do too. I don't. You don't see enough of those. Like Stone very, should do some black cans. They should. Yeah, it's very. It's sexy, is what it is. It is. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of the word, but it's it's sexy. It's a sexy can. I like that. I didn't mention. I just figured everybody knew by now. It's an IPA. <laughs> you know, I didn't even notice that you didn't say it was an IPA. I just assumed it's but... a delicious IPA. It's really good. Oh, really? I like it a lot. Do you? Awesome. So that has you said um, New Zealand and. Australian hops? Or it's a West Coast style IPA with Aussie and New Zealand hops. Nice. Wanna try it? Yeah. Do you think I'll hate it? Yes. Nice. Nice. It smells really good. It's very tasty. Now I really want to go to New Zealand. Oh, you know what? I do hate it. <laughs> but like even when I hate a beer, I can tell when it's really high quality and I can tell that that's a very nice beer. That is not a shabby yeah. beer. That's for people who love IPAs, that's primo shit right there. Yeah, so Alesmith and then Alvarado Street. Alvarado Street. They've done a couple collaborations because they did one with Stone too, right? Mm hmm. It was like that uh, hibiscus passion fruit or something. I think so. That one was interesting. Very grapefruity, I remember. All right, well, we got our beers. We're still coming down from the adrenaline, or at least I am. So let's try to do a coherent episode on backcountry. Let's do it. It's do you want to tell them how, how we... <laughs> <laughs> what I put on to calm you down? Oh my god. Or so we wait till later? Yeah, let's wait till later. So before we get into the actual movie, as you kind of touched on a few minutes ago, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think a lot of people would enjoy this as a horror movie. Because for me, this was just straight up pure horror. But if you've been camping even a couple times, if you're an outdoor enthusiast, 
chances are you've felt that pit of your stomach dread when you hear that twig snap in the middle of the night and you just feel how vulnerable you are when you're out in the wilderness and just away from the safety of the city. I'm sure we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but you and I absolutely love camping. We go as often as we can. And inevitably, the more often you go camping, you're going to have some chance encounters with potentially really scary or dangerous stuff. So for the most part, we we prepare as well as we can. We try to be as safe as we possibly can, but we have had a couple of pretty scary experiences while camping. And I feel like there's one in particular that would be perfect to share for this movie. Yeah. And it's one of those stories that, again, if you are not someone who goes camping at all or is familiar with it, just like this movie, you probably won't find this story very scary. Yeah. I mean, I've told this story quite a few times because when I tell people who aren't really into camping that that's something we enjoy doing, they'll ask questions like, oh, have you ever seen a bear? Or do you have any crazy camping stories? Or what's the what's the scariest thing that's ever happened? And I tell them this story and they they find it really scary, but I feel like they don't feel how terrifying it truly was for us in that moment. Yeah. So this happened, when would you say this was? Like 2013, 2014? Probably thereabouts. Okay, because this was the first time that we went camping in Sequoia National Park in California. Was it the first time? It was. Oh, it was, it yeah, was the right. first time. That's, okay, yeah, so we were taking our trip up the coast then. That was the Redwoods. That was another scary camping story. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this was the first time that we had gone to the Sequoias. It might have even been earlier than that, because I know in, um, I think it was 2011, we went on a trip up the coast, and we went through, like, Monterey, Big Sur, the Redwoods, all those places, and then I think it might have been the following year, you'd said you really wanted to take me to Sequoia National Park and the Kings Canyon area, which is, for anyone who's out of the area, you probably have heard of Yosemite. It's kind of in that general vicinity, I'll say. Yeah, it's in the ballpark. Yeah, it's not quite as heavily trafficked as Yosemite would be. It's also just a very popular national park, probably close to as popular um, as Yosemite for the very fact that it has sequoia trees, which I think there's only like two or like two places in the world where sequoias grow. Yeah, I think so. In the entire world where the conditions are just right for them to be able to grow. Yeah, and then it's been there long enough and it, you know, in Sequoia National Park, you have the the largest tree in the world. Not to be confused with the tallest tree in the world. Right. The largest tree. And then isn't the tallest tree in the world a redwood tree? I believe so. Yeah, so they're just big-ass trees. Big-ass trees. As far as the eye can see. And it's, because of that, it's, you know, you feel like James and the Giant Peach almost. Yeah. And people flock in groves to come see these amazing trees. It's one of my favorite places out of all the places that we've been camping and that we've explored. It's still one of my favorite places to camp. It's just magical there. I love it. It's gorgeous. I I love it too. There's something and there's something about being in such a dense forested area that feels disorienting. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that people don't necessarily take in when they think about forest and things like that. But when you get yourself into a super dense forest, just stepping off the trail by 10, 15 feet, you can lose your way. 
You can. Because it's so dense, you can't see the trail you were just on. And you can't see, you know, mountains or things around you as points of reference, you know, versus somewhere, like, say, in the desert, where you have this wide open landscape and you can you can see that boulder out in the distance or something as a point of reference. Yeah. Whereas when you're in a dense forest, it's almost a, a sense of... I, I have this sense of both, like, security, because you kind of feel almost like a, a nature hug. Like tucked away, tucked yeah. Tucked away, but it's also a sense of when, when you are getting, let's say, lost or off the trail, it's a sense of claustrophobia, because there's you're just in this tight little space. Yeah, and even if you're at your campsite the whole time, you might notice that as the light of day changes or the weather changes, it completely changes the look of the landscape around you and it can become really disorienting. Completely. Even just with the the shadows or the direction that the sun is facing, it just, you can get so turned around and so lost very easily. To this day, I know we're about to tell you the story of what happened when we were there, but to this day, that campsite that we went to what we're going to tell you about. We'll and get that there. Whole we promise. area has never, ever looked the same at all. It's just fucking bizarre. It was a completely different... I, I know this sounds weird to people, but we went to this... What is... When you go there now is like a very popular campsite. Like right next to the visitor right center, apparently. Right next to the visitor center. It's like, you know, right next off the main traffic. <laughs> Our dog's playing. But when we went there that one time... We were trying to find... It's fine. <laughs> so when we went there this first time, or I took you there that first time, we didn't have camping reservations because that's just not how I roll. <laughs> still not. <laughs> still, still not how I roll. And it was packed. It was fucking packed. It was like the middle of August, And it was, still, it was still kind of new for you, the camping experience, so you weren't completely comfortable with dispersed camping yet. Hell no. You know, you, you still wanted that, you know, the safety of a designated campsite with people around and things. <laughs> you wanted to climb it up. I'm detecting a tone. <laughs> yeah, so we we're trying to get in here. And again, this is an incredibly popular national park. It's always booked. Like all the time. Yeah. And so we were, and that's how it was when we got there. The two main camps were completely booked. And then we had talked to somebody. And no offense to, this is just a quick tangent, no offense to the people in the Sequoia National Park, but my experiences, and this is just my experience, for some reason, the people who work at Sequoia National Park are not happy. Of all national parks, they've always been kind of the most rude. I think they get a lot of shitty people coming through that they have to deal with. And after we tell this story, and looking back on this story, I can kind of understand why. Yeah, so yeah. we tried to talk to people, you know, rangers and visitor center about where we could camp and things like that. And they were not very forthcoming with information and were basically like, you're shit out of luck, keep driving. But maybe if you drive down <laughs> here, you might find one, you ignorant fuck who didn't put a reservation in like a <laughs> normal person. So we drive down and we... we Get into this campsite area that seems to be, as we were doing this, it was like way past the other two campsites that are the most popular. Yeah, it felt very tucked away and remote. very far, very tucked away. There was nobody else around there. And when we got in there, there was nobody. 
I think there may have been one other person camping. Like way down at the end. It was way perfect. Down at the end. It was, it was perfect. perfect. Right? It's exactly what we were looking for. But in retrospect, it was fucking weird because it's always packed. That yeah. campground is always packed. It was it's one very of the main weird. Campgrounds. But we get in there and it seems like this tucked away, like we got super lucky campsite. Right? And so we get our shit unpacked, we get our tent popped. We get going, and we decide to go hike and explore the area. And I got to say, real quick, right away, I'm sketched out because I am super paranoid about bears and just wild animals in general. Like, I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before because we haven't really done a movie like this, but I don't think there's any greater fear about dying that I have than being, like, mauled by a bear or killed by an animal. Maybe I mentioned it when we talked about Jaws. I don't know. And also, if you guys hear a slamming sound, it's our dog playing with his new chew toy, so apologies. <laughs> I don't think I can edit that out. It's all good. It's all good. So yeah, we get in there, and there's signs posted everywhere about this being bear country, that you have to lock up absolutely everything with the scent in these bear boxes that they have. So they have designated bear boxes. You have to put all of your food, if you brought any, like, sunscreen or shampoo anything with the scent it has to go in the bear box not in your car it has to be locked up because they can smell food i think from like 18 to 20 miles away so i'm already sketched out and if i can just add into this that's just in general yeah and then there was also like updated postings that they had had bear sightings recently so don't be a fucking idiot we have bears in the area yeah and this is also to protect the bears, because unfortunately, if you have bears that continue coming into campsites where humans are, they start losing their fear of people. It becomes a risk, and then they have to kill, kill that them. bear. It's yeah. really fucked up. Essentially, the process is the bear gets in, they come, tag it, knock it out. It's like a two strikes rule it's or a something. Two thing. Yeah. But if it comes back, it's dead. Yeah, and that's they don't want to do that. We don't want that to happen, so put your shit away, basically. So, yeah, we, we kind of hiked around for the day. And then by the time we got back, we noticed that... Um, so there's this little creek behind us and a small hill. And at the top of that hill is a group campground. So that's meant for people in larger groups, multiple tents, um, things like that. So when we go camping, we're looking for tranquility, peace and quiet. And right away, we start getting irritated because there's this huge group right at the top of the hill. They're just out of sight. So we can't see them, but close enough that we can hear them. And they're just blasting music all day into the night, partying super hard. And I think it was just us, them, and then that one other tent or two down at the end of the campground. Well, I'll add that they didn't end up showing up there. I think there we had like one person that was there initially, maybe, yeah. and then maybe two other people showed up into the normal campgrounds, but were around us. And then this big-ass group showed up, like, in the evening. Yeah. It's not your normal camper who's, like, rare and ready to go at 6 o'clock in the morning. They're there to party. They're there to party. (laughs) Just remember, like, thumping bass. Yeah. If anyone's listening who's an avid camper, you might know the the irritation that you feel if you're, like, maybe already in bed or just chilling at night, and then you hear the sound of tires going over gravel. I hate that sound. (laughs) We actually, at this point, we don't camp in campgrounds anymore if we can avoid it in developed campgrounds because one i don't feel as safe in a campground as i do just out in the wilderness camping and two because you don't know who you're going to be camping with 
yeah, these guys are partying all night. And then finally we have dinner, we start to go to bed and, oh, hang on. Going back real quick, I remember when we were hiking and walking around the area, we found some bear tracks and you have some significant tracking experience. So you can tell how fresh animal tracks are. And I was already getting sketched out and freaked out. And you're like, oh, it's fine. They're not fresh. Uh, Spoiler, that was a fucking lie. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm already freaked out and on edge. But then we go to bed that night and we can still hear like the music thumping and we're getting ready to go to sleep. And I remember saying... The tent is just a thin strip of fabric, but I feel so safe in here. And you're just quiet. I don't know if you were already on edge or what, but you were just quiet. Maybe because you knew the track was fresh. I don't know. I'm also just one of those people. I'm not a paranoid person, I don't think. But I'm cautious. I'm a cautious person. And I know how stupid fucking people are. Yeah. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm usually not afraid of nature in general you know like bears in the wild and that type of thing I am. in the right circumstances i'm terrified but what does bother me is people and then stupid people that will then entice nature to nature come kick your ass come kick your ass yeah that's what i was on guard about so you were kind of already awake and then i fall asleep no problem and then it had to be like midnight or 1 a.m i am woken up by I don't even know how to describe it. It was the most terrifying, blood-curdling scream you can imagine. This woman screaming at the top of her lungs. It sounded to me like my first thought was, holy shit, somebody is being murdered. It sounded like somebody was getting a knife plunged into their chest. It really, like, no exaggeration. It sounded like this woman was being brutally killed, and she's just screaming over and over and over, and... My adrenaline is surging. I'm just like, holy shit. And then I go to, which is kind of funny, I go to shake you awake. Obviously, you're awake. And you hear it. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And we're just listening. And then a man starts screaming. As well. Over her. Yeah. And then they're both screaming. And then it's just dead fucking silent. Completely dead silent. And I I can't emphasize this enough. I've never heard a scream like this. I've never heard a scream like this in the movies. Like, it is the most terrifying scream I've ever heard in my life. I have never been that scared in my entire life, hearing that scream. And just the, the sound of somebody screaming in the woods at night is just... Yeah, you I've never heard anything like it. in the middle of the woods, and then it's absolutely dead silence after that. Nothing. Right. And we're waiting for something. I didn't hear movement. I didn't hear... Nothing. Just completely dead silence. It's like murdering scream and dead silence so your mind jumps to they're dead i for sure thought they were dead and then to make it worse after several seconds of complete silence you yell out well i'm waiting the- like nobody says anything i'm yeah. sorry to interrupt but if i if i may yeah, like, yeah. i'm waiting for to hear a sound or something and nothing and nobody else from the campground nothing and so and they're not far away from us. Again, like they're right up, at the top of the up creek. This little creek, you know, like it's probably I don't know forty feet away. You could hear them talking at normal volume earlier in yeah. the day. It's not yeah. far away at all. And so I yell at the top of my lungs: "Is everyone okay? Or is any you know? Is every like that. yeah? Is everybody okay? Okay, okay. Fucking nothing. Nothing. Zero. And so now we're both sitting there in the tent, and Alicia's freaking out. She's like grabbing me. For so, dear life. 
I just have to emphasize how terrified. I've never been this scared my entire life. My heart was beating so hard and fast that Greg could hear it. Yeah. I have never been that scared. And at this point, my thought was, it's a fucking axe murderer going tent to tent, killing people. And it's only us, the people who just got murdered, and one other tent here, and we're fucking next. We're right at the bottom of the hill. So... We start, like, trying to think of a game plan. Like, we sleep with knives and a tomahawk in the tent. You start handing me the keys, telling me, like, if anything happens, go to the car. Planning to get the hell out of here. And then we hear... And this is all in the span of, like, a minute or two. Yeah, it, this feel, it feels, it feels like, like, like forever. It feels time, for sure. Forever. And then we hear these, like, thundering, running footsteps coming down the hill in the direction of our tent. And at this point, we can hear, it's not an axe murderer, it's a bear. Right. But then, so I have like a second of relief and then I'm like, okay, but it's a bloodthirsty bear who just ate those campers and now it's going to go tent to tent and fucking eat everybody. (laughs) So now it's like, it's a murdering bear. So now we have to fight off a bear. So then again, it's like giving me the keys on high alert, ready to get out of there. We can hear it like walking around, snapping twigs and shit. And then it kind of like walks off and... I mean, eventually it went away, and then after what felt like an eternity, we could hear the people at the top of the hill start to start talking a little bit. Finally. And I think I even yelled out again. Yeah. I don't know what exactly happened, but for the rest of that night until dawn, like, I didn't even want to let you get up to go to the bathroom. I was so terrified. I was like, don't move. I wanted to give you a water bottle to pee in. Like, do not leave this tent. Don't move. I was petrified. I had no idea what had happened. And then finally, we just lay there, adrenaline soaring until it starts getting light outside. And then we actually got out of the tent to try and piece together this is my what had happened. Part of the story because we wake up and it's we wake up early because we haven't been asleep. And we heard like engines starting too <laughs> at dawn. We wake up. The campground is empty. Mm-hmm. They got Empty. the... Everyone got the hell out Everybody of there. Everybody got out of Dodge. Everybody was gone. I think when we woke up, we saw, like, one car, like, putting the final strap on. Yeah. And then getting the fuck out of there. I don't blame them. Getting the hell out of there. So, now that it's daytime, I feel better, because it's... There's something about being out in the woods at night that's just terrifying. And well, we're not supposed to be out there at night. Yeah, that's, that's not our place not our to time. be. But we start kind of investigating, and then we walk around the campsite, and we can see... The bear tracks, we can see them going down the hill, like, close to our tent. I had been taking, uh, I think it wasn't too long prior to that, that I had taken some of the other, like, my tracking classes and stuff. And so I was kind of using it as an investigative opportunity. Yeah, to to see what happened. And um, see what was going on. So we were able to, like, go up and see where the bear entered the campground. And we saw... That they had left beer bottles on the ground Peanut and shells. limes Ugh. and lemons and, you know, all this sweet smelling citrus and again, like beer and shit like that. Peanuts and like not just shells, little peanuts and stuff on the ground. And you could see where the bear entered the camp and was like sniffing around. And then you could see where there was like a shuffle of stuff and you could see where it ran down. And we were able to follow the tracks to the point where, as we said, we heard it go past our tent. And so we were able to like follow the tracks down. And it was literally, what would you say? Not far. Like 10 feet, maybe? <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, close enough where we could hear it. Yeah, I think it was like 10 feet away from our tent when it like came by. So terrifying. And so we kind of pieced together or tried to guess what had happened. So our guess was that 
the woman who is screaming maybe got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and encountered the bear and was screaming because that's scary. And I think that the man was screaming to scare it away. Yeah. And that kind of pushed it in our direction. That was my guess. Just scared it off, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't think anybody was hurt. It didn't seem like it. But to this day, that's the most terrified I've ever been. The sound of that scream. And we actually, so everybody vacated that campsite. They got the hell out of there. And we actually ended up staying there another night, which in hindsight, like, seems crazy to me. But during the day, I was fine. And I was like, this is such a nice spot. I really want to stay here. And then as soon as it got dark again, I was like, I regret this immensely. I'm I'm scared. I'm (laughs) still so blown away to this day. Because again, we stayed in that spot another night. And that time, it was empty. Mm -hmm. Nobody showed up. And it was just such a weird experience it's a because weird spot. to this day that campground is always packed yeah always it was weird I, it just feels like a completely different spot so if you've ever been camping and you felt maybe not that degree of fear but just that that sense of vulnerability and dread when you think about all the things that can go wrong and that pit you get in your stomach when you hear a twig snapping in the middle of the night and you don't know what did it this movie's for you totally it's for you. So this, to me, was just a balls-to-the-wall, terrifying, thrilling horror movie from beginning to end. It was really good. I have to add two quick things in. One, if someplace says there's fucking bears around, so lock your shit up, lock your shit up. Yeah, it's no joke. And second thing... Watch this movie. <laughs> and second thing is if you have a blood-curdling experience where you scream at the top of your lungs in the middle of the fucking night because you saw a bear and somebody yells out, are you okay? Please answer. answer. Please answer us. <laughs> Just say something. Even if it's a little squeak, a like, squeak? yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, anything. Please. Or, like, just let us know what the fuck it was. Yeah. Like, hey, it was a bear. Anything. Just like, come on. At that point, common everybody's courtesy. Up. Just fucking say something. I'm still I'm still a little mad about this. Yeah. To this that, day. Was... that was a dick move. Yeah. And it's, again, it's not fair for the bear. And I kind of feel the same way about bears that you do about sharks, where I am absolutely terrified of them. But I also love them and have tremendous respect for them. I think they are beautiful, amazing animals. But they scare the shit out of me. Bears and sharks are my two favorite animals. I, I love bears. They're one of my favorite animals, but I am absolutely terrified of them. And seeing and hearing what they're capable of and just one slash of those claws is just, it's my worst nightmare. Well, it can be indiscriminate violence. Yeah. I think that's what gets me about this kind of horror, like the, you know, serial killers or animal attacks, especially just survival horror and the things that can happen to you out in nature. It's just indiscriminate brutality and violence. And it's such a humbling experience being out in the wilderness and just seeing that beauty, but also realizing how small and vulnerable you are and what could how much could go wrong for sure if you make just one tiny tiny misstep can cost you your life yeah i love it i love it too but the damn this was a really good movie i don't think i could ever watch it again honestly if i did i would have to shield my eyes for a couple of the scenes or one scene in particular but i don't think i could handle watching this again I have to give major props to the director for that. I think he made a damn good horror movie. I agree. It's a great survival horror movie. It had a lot of good elements in it. I, I do have a little bit of a beef with this genre. And I'll get into that later. Do you? Okay. I'm I interested do. to hear that. Because I'm really trying to think of any critiques I have about 
this movie and it's hard for me because it's still so fresh in my mind and it was so effective in what it was setting out to do. It's hard for me to objectively critique it because it affected me so viscerally and emotionally. So I'd be interested to hear any critiques you have on this movie or this genre in general. But just to give a quick synopsis, it's very, very basic. It's just this couple, Alex and Jen. Jen's a lawyer, and I guess we find out a little bit later that Alex does uh, landscaping work, and he's not what I would consider an expert outdoorsman by any means, but he's familiar with... He's confident. He's Yeah, to put it nicely, he's uh, he's very confident. He's overconfident. Misguidedly confident. Yeah, and I, I definitely want to dive into that and the, the themes that are explored in this through Alex specifically. But yeah, he loves camping. He wants to take his girlfriend Jen out to this place in the Canadian wilderness called Blackfoot Trail. And it's a... Um, I'm not very familiar with the parks in Canada, but he refers to it as a provincial park. So I don't know if that's kind of similar to our national parks or if it's a little bit more remote. I believe it's like our national parks because in uh, in Canada they have like provinces, right? And so a provincial park is like that. Yeah. It might actually be more like a state park now. That I think about it. Okay, but it's the Canadian wilderness, so it's harsh out there. So he takes his girlfriend Jen out there, and I was pretty roped into this movie from the beginning because it kind of seemed like, and I don't know if you got this impression, but right from the get go, there was just a little something about their relationship that didn't feel quite right? It just felt like they didn't have the strongest foundation. And putting that aside, I loved the opening of this movie when they're in the car and Alex is kind of annoying Jen and they're kind of bantering back and forth. Like she's reading this quiz about boyfriends or something and she's kind of ribbing him saying things like, does your boyfriend always get his way? Yes. And looks at him. Does he never admit, does he ever admit when he's wrong? No. Things like that. So I don't know about you, but for me, I picked up just the tiniest bit or seeds of tension there. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that was very much intentional. I think so, too. And I think this director is very, very good at creating small bits of tension that just keep you on edge throughout the entire movie. But he puts on this like ridiculous song and starts singing along to it. And then you can tell she's visibly annoyed. And then I love when she just kind of starts like she does buck teeth and starts dancing along. And then it's just like a bam, jump scare backcountry title card. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of like that bam slap Me title too. card. It, it reminded me of Cabin in the Woods, exactly. but it also felt like a little homage to like the 70s exploitation mm -hmm. horror movies. Yeah. And I loved that. So right away I was like, okay, I'm interested. I started getting stressed out when they get to the ranger's office and Alex refuses to take a map. Did you finish your synopsis? Oh, did I? Okay, so he went. Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm stressed out. I know you, this movie stressed that's me right, out. That's all right. You're jumping in, but we just watched. If you want it, to finish yeah. this up? We don't right. normally do this. So okay, they go on this trail, and long story short, they get lost, and it turns out that they are in the territory of a very hungry, angry black bear that is stalking them. Other shit happens too, but that's the overall premise. If you were to read the description. So, yeah, I started getting stressed out at the beginning when they get to the ranger's office and Alex refuses to take a map. Well, also, the the ranger that's on staff says that that particular trail is closed. Yeah. Because I think the issue is that it was kind of near the end of the season and they were trying to, like, preserve it because there's a bunch of yahoos going out and doing shit. Yeah. And he, he basically, like, insinuates... There was a lot of foreshadowing this uh, in yeah. that scene where the ranger... 
A says that there's been a bunch of yahoos out, so we closed it so that we didn't have a bunch of tourists coming in here that thought they knew what they were doing and, you know, going in there and just mucking about the place. He also indicates that it's near the end of the season and the weather can change on you at any moment, so be prepared. And he also goads Alex about the fact that, you know, again, that he's not bringing a map. And so he's like, here's the deal. I'll go ahead and give you the safety kit with like a whistle and shit in it. But just be aware that if we have to come out and get you, it's a thousand dollars a pop. So don't make this an expensive backpacking trip. Right. And Jen doesn't hear any of this because she's over in the corner kind of looking at the things in the shop. And I was thinking watching this, like if I had overheard that, well, I wouldn't be looking at shit. I would be up there talking to the ranger too, because I'm super cautious and I like to prepare for these trips. But if I had overheard that that trail was closed and that the person I'm camping with doesn't want a map, that would not fly with me. I have a feeling that that would have not flying with Jen either. No, if she had heard, no way. And the I feel like the character development in this was so good and the setup is very clever. So they take this canoe across the lake which, to the oh trail, God, which is idea, gorgeous. Like, your canoe is waiting for you. Oh, it's gorgeous. Like, what kind of experience is this where you can show up and you have a canoe waiting for you? Yeah, and you can just put all your stuff in it oh. and then you row your canoe to the hiking trail. It's gorgeous. So but kind of right away, he starts poking fun at her and kind of berating her for being cautious and preparing for this trip because she has brought... A road flare and bear mace. Well, if I can interrupt just for a minute. Yeah. Right before that, this is so they they get in their canoe and they're canoeing. They're happy canoers. <laughs> beautiful. And they're getting to their location and everything's grand. And they get to the spot where they're going to now dock their canoe on the shore. Oh, right. And Alex goes and he starts manhandling this canoe like he's just Paul Bundy. And Bunyan? just like, huh? Paul Bunyan? <laughs> Paul Bundy. <laughs> Paul Bundy and like he's Ted Bundy. <laughs> also and that. So he starts pulling his canoe around and like flipping it like he knows what he's doing. And then he flips it and drops it on his fucking foot. Yeah. And you can tell it hurt like a motherfucker. But you don't realize how to... bad it is till later. But yeah, but it looks, you know, he, he definitely is uh, limping along. And then he, after he drops this canoe on his foot. And then he like gut punches right himself the, on it. <laughs> yeah. Right at the start. Then he goes over and starts giving... Jen a hard time. Yeah, that really pissed me off. <laughs> Just straight up pissed me off that he's berating her for wanting to protect herself and be safe. But again, I think that's such good character development because it's pretty obvious from the get-go and developed over the progression of this movie that Alex definitely has some major insecurities and an inferiority complex. And this is kind of a way that he feels like he can prove himself. I took it as he was almost offended that Jen had brought these items because it to him, it's like, you don't need these things because I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I can, you know, make a fire without a match. I know this trail like the back of my hand. I know all the spots to take you. Like he, he takes it personally. Absolutely. And he also kind of gets irritated with her for checking her phone because she's a lawyer. So she's always working and... She's kind of checking her phone before they actually start on the trail, and he gets kind of irritated with her. So I thought that was a really good little subtle way to kind of create more of that tension that builds over the course of the movie. Yeah. So there are very few, but there are a couple kind of nice moments in this movie, and one of them is when they get to their first campsite, and he kind of like 
goads her into going skinny dipping at this little swimming spot. And that was kind of a cute scene. And you kind of feel that there's definitely love between them. But I I don't know about you, but for me, the whole time, I just felt like the foundation of their relationship was slowly crumbling. No, I think that was very much intentional. Definitely. Yeah. I think it was this idea of kind of taking the idea of a, a relationship that no hard feelings on anybody. Like, it's not like he was a horrible dude or anything, but yeah. you could tell that Jen was, and I got the impression that she had just like recently become a lawyer or graduated or something like that. You know, yeah. like she hadn't been that long. Like she's excited about enough. it. She's excited about her ventures in life. And we get to know a little bit more about Alex where he doesn't seem to be, you know, really going anywhere, quote unquote. Yeah, or at like least he job. feels that way. Yeah. Right. And so it was this relationship where it's almost like when you're in high school and you're both on the same playing field. And so, sure, it's a good matchup. Right. But as you progress in life, you know, you start having different goals and different aspirations. And you just kind of get to a point where maybe somebody's going further in one direction than the other one. Or maybe the other person's just staying stuck. And I kind of got that impression with their relationship where it was that Alex was in this stagnation of insecurity and underdevelopment yeah. while Jen was progressing. And so it was this clash where you're still friends with them. You still like them. And like you said, like maybe, maybe you love them, but you're not in love with them. And this is not the relationship for you. Exactly. And I will say there is nothing like a survival situation to reveal the cracks in a relationship. That, yeah, I was going to get Holy that. Like, shit. If you're gonna, <laughs> it will come out. Yeah. If you want to <laughs> test your relationship, put yourself in a survival situation. Yeah. And not even like the kind of situation that they get into because avoid that at all costs, please. But even just being out there in the wilderness on a remote trail like that with no other people, no cell phones, no distractions you will get a very clear picture of who you're with. Absolutely. Or as one of my previous uh, bosses and older colleagues once told me, if you ever want to test your relationship with your wife, get a tandem bike. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not do that. We've been camping. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, I'm kind of We're on the good. same page though. That should yeah. crack me up. <laughs> That's really funny. And I feel like camping or being in a survivalist. I, I would say even backpacking is just that one oh, extra for sure. edge on top of that. That'll put it to the test. It will. It really will. But yeah, I thought that was really well portrayed. And this is something that I also loved about Piwacket. I'm definitely a fan of this director, hands down. And even though Piwacket was more of a supernatural horror, the thing that really stuck with me about it was how real everything felt. And there was nothing about this movie that felt exploitational or cliche or like a movie. It felt so uncomfortably and terrifyingly real. No, I actually mentioned that to you while we were watching this, that the dialogue... And conversations and connections, while not the best writing, I would say. And I'm not knocking this at all. I mean, it was really, really well done. In, a, in the best sense. In the best of sense. Them, like, yeah. it, it was very genuine conversation. Like how people talk. But not talk. flashy. You yeah. Know? It was, and not forced either. I was taken aback. I don't, you, it was very refreshing because it's so often that you're watching something. 
and maybe you have a connection with it. You know, maybe you're getting something out of it. But there's always that part of you that realizes and feels that you're watching actors perform a script. Right. And this did not feel like that. No, this felt like genuine. It, this there, and, and I actually, um, as far as the directing goes, there were just teeny tiny little places where he actually did what felt like a found footage type of thing. Yeah, it, it reminded me of second. Darren Aronofsky. The way he does that close up, like yeah. track the tracking. You do that, shots. or like you know, if they were running from a situation or falling, like the camera fell with them. Yeah. So it there was these, and, but it was only tiny bit, so it actually made it feel like a found footage or a first person type of thing, just for those brief seconds, like cine, cinematography speaking, mm-hmm. cinematographically, cinematography wise. Yeah. Thanks. And then the dialogue <laughs> and conversation on top of that. Where you felt like you were just kind of there for it. Yeah. The editing in this was fantastic. The way that the shots were cut together and even the, the sound design was very well done. Where certain things were muffled or conversely amplified, depending mm-hmm. on what was going on. But there was one shot in particular that really ramped up the dread for me. And it was when I had to rewind it and make sure that I really saw what I had just seen. And it was when they were swimming naked in that little spot. And he does this in Piwacket too, which I fucking love. The camera is like a voyeur and you're watching them swim. And all of a sudden the camera darts behind a tree. Like it's a person watching them. That was really good. I, I loved did, that. Went back. I saw like the voyeurism aspect of the, the shot. Yeah. But I had missed that movement. The way it darts behind the darts. tree. So she went back and then that's again, I think that's such an easy thing to, and it was so quick. It's such an easy thing to, second guess whether you saw what you think you saw and it just and it's right before they meet brad oh that was so it just you don't realize it it's one of those uh it primes you for the dread of being introduced to a stranger yes out in the wilderness i thought that was brilliant and then that moment where brad actually does show up was such a good scare in my opinion because Jen is just sitting on a log and then you see like out of focus, this guy just walk up behind her and just go, hey. And then it's like a jump cut to Alex chopping wood with an axe. Like that was so good. And that's another one of those scenes and just circumstances and this whole thing really where unless you're a person who's, and I guess I I feel like you got to be a little bit like us because I I do feel like there's backpackers and stuff like that where they're just totally cool with whoever comes across the trail. Yeah. You know, but to me, when I'm out there camping or backpacking or hiking, especially if it's kind of a more remote area. And if you're like in your campsite. Especially if you're in your campsite. And somebody comes up. Like, leave me the fuck alone. We're all here for the same goddamn reason, and that's to get the fuck away from each other. I don't mind being friendly with people and saying hi to people. I like that, especially when you're on the trail and you're walking by people. But it's just so, again, you're so vulnerable out there. And especially for me as a woman, and we, we've had some creepy encounters and situations where we don't know how it's going to go. The fact that she's sitting there alone and this man walks up into their campsite and says, hey, combine that with the fact that we had that really creepy shot of something darting behind the trees and watching them. You don't know if it was this guy. You don't, you're already on edge. That was just really, really effective in building that paranoia and that dread. And then she invites him for dinner. And that whole scene set up the movie 
If you're going in blind, it kind of feels like Brad is going to be the main threat of this movie. And that's kind of what I was wondering at first, if this movie was going to be them trying to get away from this guy. I wasn't totally sure where it was going. So I thought that was done really well. And she invites him for dinner. That creates more tension between the couple. And I guess one of my early critiques if there's anything to critique in this movie was when he's like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And he pulls her into the tent and Brad is like 10 feet away in focus. I found it hard to believe that he couldn't hear them. Well, he did. And that's right. He, he did. Con- right. He confronts him later about it. Well, when Alex comes back out of the tent, he says, I'm sorry, it was a misunderstanding. We'd like you to stay. But Brad could tell that they were uneasy. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go enjoy your trip. And then they're both like, no, 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 stay. You're going to stay. They should have just said, okay, see you later. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, that stressed me out so bad. And I loved that nothing was happening. He brought these fish that he had caught. And it's this jump cut again to him chopping up the heads and pulling out the guts and Jen's disgusted face. And just, I was just so on edge. It's a, I've said it before. When you're in those situations, especially when you're off the beaten path, there's nothing scarier than coming across a lone dude. Seriously. Alone and we've had that dude. happen. And I, yes. when I took my brother camping, we had two guys, two lone dudes approach our campsite, and I was fucking sketched out. I can only imagine times. what it's like for a woman. It's terrifying. Like, this is one of those circumstances that Jen was in where we have to quote the uh, Stay Sexy, Don't mur- get, uh, Murder Fuck Mystery Show. <laughs> stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered. <laughs> yeah. I like where Stay it's... Sexy, Don't Murder Fuck Mystery Show better. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, one of their taglines is fuck politeness. Yes. And I can't emphasize this enough. In one of those situations, fuck politeness. That's such a tough situation, too, because I was thinking about that. And this movie is really good at making you think, what would I do in this situation? What would I do in this scenario? And as a woman, it can be dangerous to be impolite to a strange man because that can prompt violence. And they're out here in the middle of nowhere on this backpacking trail with no other people around. So it's like, what happens if we politely but not so politely tell him to be on his way or fuck off? Is he going to come back? Is he going to be mad? But I definitely wouldn't have invited him to stay for dinner. I would have been very... I would have started off as coldly polite, but... I just think it did such a good job of portraying the discomfort of that kind of situation. Absolutely. And and we don't get the conversation where Jen invited him. So we don't know what the circumstances were. Yeah, or if he kind of pushed his way in there. And the way that Jen defends herself, because Alex confronts her about this, like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. You know, it does seem like Jen... Was just kind of instinctively... Being polite. Being polite. Like, she didn't even realize what she was doing. And I think that's more of a for, uh, like an insight or a, a critique on the difference between, let's say, living in the city versus living in the country. For sure. Where, you know, if you run into somebody on the street and you invite them in for coffee or to join you for lunch or something like that... That's a completely different situation than inviting a stranger in the woods to join you for the evening. Well, do you remember that same trip in the Sequoias where it was our first night there and we got a one night spot because somebody canceled the reservation and this guy came up to our campsite and like wanted to have dinner with us? Yeah. And you're like, you know, you politely told him no thank you and we're just 
on a trip as a couple, but it's so uncomfortable. It really is. And that wasn't even, I mean, that wasn't just a, a general campsite where there's a bunch of other people around. Yeah, this is out in the There's no way in hell I would do that. I'm just thinking of like, I'm wondering what I would do in that situation if you're off chopping wood and I'm by myself and some guy walks up. Like, I, I got to think about that. I don't know how I would handle that situation. To just give people, I, I know I've already shared one story. I have to share one other quick story to just kind of emphasize how I feel about this. So on our honeymoon, we went to the Grand Canyon, the north rim of the Grand Canyon, north rim of the Grand Canyon. And we were camping in a, what they call like a dispersed camping thing where it's, you take like a dirt road and you go super far down and then you can go off the side and basically you just camp in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? That's what we do now. Right. And so we were in the middle of fucking nowhere and then there's a billion places where other people could have camped in the middle of nowhere. And we had already talked about that sound of gravel in the middle of the night in a campground. Oh my God. Yeah. So here we are and it's. There's supposed to be no one around there, and why would anyone go down that particular road at that time of night? It was the middle of the night, and we hear gravel of a car coming down slowly. And then we see headlights. And then a car comes in to the location that we are and shines their headlights directly into our tent. It was like the middle of the fucking night. You hear them get out of the car. It sounds like they kind of snoop around a little bit. And, of course, I was up fucking immediately. And then you hear them get back into the car... Back off, drive 300 feet down, pull into the side, and shut the car off. And not get out of the car. Yeah. And I was so fucking on edge. Me too. That I got up out of the tent in my underwear and my socks and a knife. (laughs) And I stalked (laughs) down the road through the brush and found the vehicle And I sat and I watched that vehicle for a solid 40, 50 minutes, just in the middle of the night, in my underwear and socks, on the side of the road with a knife, waiting to see what the fuck would happen. And it was just somebody that showed up, like they obviously got held back in traffic. They're like sleeping in their car. Yeah. But it's. But that's the. That's how on edge. You I feel are like you, how I am, but how you kind of should be. Like, it's a dangerous situation. It really is. It's, anything could happen out there. And it does happen. We got two flat tires out on that same road, and we happened to be lucky enough to be able to flag down somebody who worked in the park who was so kind to help us. And you run into, like, wonderful and kind people, too, but you don't know what you're going to get. You never know. It's and just, at ni- like you said, at night, like you don't fuck around at night. You don't fuck around with people inviting you to dinner in the evening. Ugh. Like that's not the friendly hour. Yeah. So I feel like this movie did such a great job. I usually don't love a red herring, but this was a damn good red mm-hmm. herring. I was really impressed with this. And finally, when things kind of come to a head and they kind of really emphasize the flaws in Alex's character during the scene, because there's kind of... That whole conversation where everybody's asking each other, what do you do for a living? Or what I heard was prove your value to me. Yeah. There was a lot of dick swinging going on. Oh, yeah. And Jen didn't even volunteer the information that she was a lawyer. It seemed like Brad was familiar with some of the language that she was using as they were talking. And Alex jumps in and is like, oh, yeah, she's a lawyer. And then Brad condescendingly is like, what do you do for a living? And... Jen seemed to have felt the need to jump in and defend Alex immediately and say he works so hard. He's really talented. Uh, well, Brad makes a shitty comment. He does. A where, shitty racist comment. A shitty racist comment where 
Alex says that he's in landscaping. And then Brad looks at him and goes, are you Mexican? Yeah. And he's obviously not Hispanic at all. And they're both kind of taken aback by that. And he's like, I just thought that's what Mexicans do. Yeah, it was really a really shitty comment. And it really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is shitty. <laughs> and then Alex claps back with something about Irish people because Brad is Irish. And he's stumbling at this point yeah. and just trying to impress exert, this stranger. Yeah, trying, not only that, but he's trying to exert his masculinity because Brad is he's not, hitting on not subtly hitting on Jin, but also insinuating like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and I do. Yeah, I would Brad, take care of you out here and I would show you the best places in this. I can I can be your guide. Yeah, and Brad is like a, a wilderness guide. And right. we at this point, we don't know if he's full of shit or not. We don't no. know this guy. But, but it does seem evident that he has the experience. Yeah, and I don't think that this was a pointless red herring at all. This kind of sets them off on the path that they go down because he kind of goads Alex into taking Jen off of the path and trying to find this spot yep. that Brad is talking about. So I thought that was fantastic. And when they have their final confrontation and they kind of butt heads, Brad starts just walking off into the black night. And then he stops to pick up Jen's underwear with his finger. And he's like, you forgot something? My skin was crawling. Oh. And then they just go straight to sleep after that. And the, yeah, I, the most unrealistic part of this movie was how they were able to sleep in any of these fucking situations. There's no way there I would have no that night. way. I would have had you sleep in the tent, <laughs> and I would have been like up in a fucking tree ready to and like I, come down. With, with your knife, yeah. and I would not be asleep. No, you wouldn't be asleep. I, <laughs> you would be in there pretending you're asleep. <laughs> oh my god. And the, that was such a brilliant red herring, because this whole time I'm thinking, is he going to come back? Right. Because he just walks off into the night, and it's pitch black out there, and it's not like they can go anywhere. No. So, bravo, Adam McDonald. Holy shit. Great, you great got red me. herring. So yeah. then they start, you know, I'm not going to go through the entire plot, but basically this prompts Alex to go off the path and try to take her to this spot and show off, and we realize that the threat in this movie is not Brad, it's a fucking hungry bear. Yeah, I think... I mean, just kind of skipping along, because I feel like we've spent a long time in the beginning here. Yeah. Because the the end is intense, but it's also simplistic. So, right. you know, like you said, Brad has goaded Alex into bringing her into this location and testing his metal, trying to show his manhood even more than he did before. And I do have to say one thing real quick, because yeah. I think it's important later on. Speaking of the waterfall, Alex... Claims that he's been there before. Right. And Brad kind of quizzes him, like a pop quiz. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, which side is the safe side to come down on? And Alex says, the right side. And Brad goes, good guess. And Alex like, that wasn't a fucking guess. I know exactly what I'm talking about. And he's like, you're right. Because there's so many stupid tourists that think it's safer to go down on the right-hand side and end up hurting themselves out there. Yeah. So I just put a pin in that because that's going to come in hand later because... I think Brad coaxed him, but then also, like, just let him hang on his lie. Yeah. Didn't push that any further. So, putting a pin in that, now Alex is out there even more so trying to prove his masculinity and his manhood to Jen. And takes her off this trail. He sees bear tracks and decides to keep on going anyways. Pissed me he off. Decides not to say anything about it. His foot is bloody as fuck. Oh my god. So there's, yeah, there's a point where they stop to camp again for the night. And he just pulls his toenail off. 
that's how he got the bloody foot, but that fucked me up. From I the canoe falling on him. Yeah, yeah, I can't handle nail stuff, but that was important because he his foot's all bloody and he pulls off his nail and then he hangs his bloody sock over a branch. And so night one, and this is where the twigs come in hand, right? Yes. We have to mention this because yes. the <laughs> they wake up that morning or like dusk. Like a thumping sound. Or dawn, I guess is a better word. Yeah, yeah. And they hear, or it's actually Jen wakes up and she hears shit going on, like a thumping. And what sounds to her like somebody throwing an axe, or not an axe, but like a, a hatchet into a tree. She, like when Alex wakes up, she's like, it sounds like somebody's throwing something. Or rocks or something like and that. And at first you kind of wonder, is it Brad? Yeah, it really makes you think of Brad. Right? Yeah. Because this is the night after Brad. And he could easily follow that trail and be stalking them. No fucking them. problem. Yeah. And it does. It sounds like a flap and it sounds like a threatening type of thing. Like someone's throwing something at their tent. Not even, It didn't even sound like it was at their tent, but it sounded like it was near a tree near there. And just like exerting that authority of wielding a weapon like that. But that's what it sounds like to me. And that's what it sounds like to her. And then she hears... Like, twig snapping. And she she's trying to wake up Alex, and Alex will not wake the fuck up. Which, again, it's just beyond me. Piss me off. I know, like, you guys, Greg, if I even whisper in the middle of the night, like, did you hear that? He is out of bed, like, what? What is it? What is it? Like, ready to go. I don't fuck around. Enough. No. I do not fuck with me. I, I you will are, kill you. You are safe with Greg at night. <laughs> unless you're starting some shit. Unless you're starting some shit. <laughs> I don't know, it's just instinctual in me. Like, I just immediately get up. I can't help it. I'm so glad because I'm so disoriented. I can't do that. Man, I just, I don't like people fucking with me at night. No. So I just, like, <laughs> immediately get up. Like, right. what? <laughs> what is it? I did that, like, a week ago. Again, I, I was dreaming or something, and I could have sworn I heard a door shut. I'm pretty sure I just had sleep paralysis or something. And you were out of bed and down the stairs before I could finish my sentence yeah. to check it out. <laughs> what? <laughs> this movie really made me appreciate having you around for camping trips in these kind of situations. <laughs> but digressing. <laughs> They're snapping all this shit sounds going on and Jen's freaked out. She's trying to wake up Alex. Finally gets her up and he's trying to tell her it's acorns yeah. falling on the tent and snapping and just relax, babes. You know? Yeah, he calls her babes, which is infuriating. And then they wake up and they find like big, broken, dead branches that are, you know, probably an inch and a half thick that have been broken. Snapped in half. In half. And then you just get a close up on his bloody, bloody sock. sock. And I think Excellent. he understands what happened and you understand what it yeah. was. So now they got a bear on their ass and they keep on going and you can tell. From the way that they are navigating the land, because they're frustrated, they're falling over branches yeah. and shit. They're not communicating they're with not each other. They're not being honest. And it's just a, anyone that's been in that situation realizes that they don't know where they're going. Yeah. And they finally are supposed to, he's like been waiting to walk up this crest and they get to this area where it's like, we're right at the precipice of this beautiful lake and waterfall that's coming up and she's like this is gonna be a bitch to climb isn't it he's yeah like, yeah but it's so worth it and it's kind of <sighs> coming to a you're finally getting like some kind of closure like okay we finally made it here and they get to the top of this thing and it's just nothing but forest i knew this was coming 
But still, I mean, I think it's done deliberately where you know this is going to happen. But when they got to the top of that rock and looked over at just miles and miles of wilderness, my stomach just dropped. Yeah, like you you know that they're lost. But when you see that, that's when you know that there is no longer any pussyfooting around. (laughs) You're fucked. Well, I mean, between themselves. Yeah. There's no pussyfooting each other. You guys are fucking lost. Yeah. And guess what, Alex? It's your fault. It is, and it's, oh, that fight was rough. Yeah. Jen's true feelings come out. She says, you fuck everything up. You're a fucking loser. And just, oh, man, it was brutal. And when you're in that kind of situation, like, we've never been lost together, but just imagining being in a survival situation, and if your relationship isn't on solid footing and you're not working together, that just, it makes it so much worse. Well, we have some, we've had some of our worst disagreements and stuff, like, out out in the wilderness, yeah. Because yeah. it pushes you to your limits and yeah, you stress you, out about things. And, it's a, and you're scared. And there's a lot of communication that needs to take place. And if it doesn't, it just builds. Yeah, that was a gut punch. So I guess we can skip ahead to the climax, right? Right, so the go ahead. <sighs> I don't even know if this I can is talk your scene. about it. This is, you. <laughs> this is all you I have. just have to say, this director, this climax was just... As much as it disturbed me and terrified me, like, I seriously had a panic attack during this bear attack scene, but they've kind of made up, they're in the tent, and they had come across a bear bed earlier, so they're trying to kind of get out of Dodge and get out of this situation, but they open the tent and see the biggest black bear I have ever seen standing a few feet away from them, just watching them, and then they zip the tent, and they're like, Oh shit, this whole scene and this climax was fantastic horror. Just an, so a fucking brilliant climax. It was the most visceral and realistic animal attack I think I've ever seen in the movie. God, it's terrifying. The shot of the bear's massive head coming into the tent and trying to get them, I lost my shit. This is where she had her panic. I had it. I was. I was hyperventilating. I was somehow. I didn't spill my beer because I was holding a beer this whole time in a glass. But I was hyperventilating. I was yelling, and then at one point, I think it swipes or something, and it catches Jen's arm and just slashes her. And the amount of blood that comes pouring out of her arm just made my stomach turn over. It made me sick. It was so real, and at this point. This whole scene is just really sad and terrifying and visceral. So Alex is saying, get behind me. And ultimately, like at the end, he's trying to protect her. And it was just a really sad scene. So she gets behind him and she's like fumbling for the bear mace that she had brought. And this thing takes a massive bite out of his leg and just rips open his leg and... It doesn't cut away. It doesn't spare you. You get a close-up on his fucking leg, and it is just shredded. The bone is sticking out. He's bleeding everywhere. He's saying, I can't feel my foot. And then, to me, the most terrifying moment was when it grabs onto him and drags him. Hold on, hold on, if I can. Because at this point, Jen's been fumbling. Yeah. It gets even more terrifying and sad. Oh, God. Because he got got attacked. She got attacked. He's trying to defend her. Then he gets even worse with the the leg wind where... It's just a gnarly bite that was taken out. It's like a literal two-inch gap of missing meat. And the only thing that's left is just bone with some meat dangling on it. Yeah, that leg is fucked. It, it's just... It's gone. It's you know? done. And then she finally gets the mace. 
and is able to spray the bear. That's right, and it does and nothing. Him off. Well, it starts to, and it's, it's not doing much, but she's finally able to get it off, and Alex is still trying to kick at it to get it away, and the mace, and it finally backs off, and it kind of runs back and is, you know, like snorting and shit, and Jen is trying to scramble and figure out what to do. So she starts trying to tie a tourniquet around his leg. Oh, that's right. Oh my and God. Alex is just like, I can't, I can't feel my leg. I can't feel my leg. And he's starting to freak out. And Jen just like looks at him cold. Like we are going to get through this. Like you are going to be okay. We are going to get off this fucking mountain. If we have to crawl out of here, we're going to fucking do this. You are going to be Okay. And then she's tying this thing and they start and Alex is like starting to calm down a little bit. And it looks like, okay, we're going to try to persevere. And as a person watching this, you're kind of anticipating like, oh, geez, now it's going to be like him with his fucked up leg and trying her trying to deal with it and the bear coming after him. And as you're kind of as you're thinking this in your head, what's the next scenario? Or what would I do? Yeah. Motherfucking bear comes back. And starts attacking, and she's trying to spray, it, and it's not doing anything. And it just grabs Bra- uh, Alex, and is pulling him out of the tent. And she's just grabbing his hand, and he's screaming. Oh and God! It's just this, you guys. You get this close oh. up of their hands as he's like trying to hold on to her, and it finally slips. And now you're in the tent with Jin. And now you get the sound. And that's where you get the sound of just this horrible attack taking place and he's yelling run that's like the last thing he said to after, her is after run. you hear it for a while you finally hear him say jen run i was losing my shit at this point like i was hyperventilating i was sweating greg is like oh shit do we have to turn we this off to stop, are you okay we had to stop for a minute here oh my god like are you was, okay i was not was okay up having a panic attack this is literally my worst nightmare like i'm it really makes you think about what would you do in this situation or what this would really be like it was awful. so real. And I, I can't go into the details of it, but you see what happens to Alex, and it is as, fucking yeah, gruesome. As Jen leaves, she's seen what Alex has been going oh through and what God. his condition is. I, it is. That is burned into my brain. I don't think I could ever watch this again. It was brutal. And again, as much as it upset me and disturbed me, I have tremendous respect for this director in making an amazing horror climax that didn't feel exploitational in the slightest. That didn't feel like he's just trying to entertain you with the horror movie. This was like, this is what a bear attack looks like. This is what happens. It was so well done to the point where I never want to watch it again. And then I kind of freaked out because we paused it at this point, And I was like, how does this movie still have 30 minutes left? Yeah, I can I cannot do it. So just fast forward. I'm going to plow through some stuff real quick. Sure. I do want to get to one important thing. So yeah. now Jen's trying to get away. Obviously, she has nothing on her now because she has the bail. So she has no equipment on her, no backpack, nothing. And Alex is obviously dead. Right. We should also quick mention just to add a sadness factor to it. The night before this or that night, they were like having a campfire and... Alex confesses that the reason why this was so special to him is that he was going to propose to her. And he was going to actually um, end up giving her the ring at that time anyways. And then Jen's like, let's wait. Like, this isn't the right time. This is the only thing that she has on her at this point is that fucking ring. And she ends up putting it on um, after he's dead. And she's running from this fucking bear. It looks like she got away from a little while because it was distracted 
basically eating Alex. Ugh. And you see it. You and see you the see aftermath. It. And then as she's also still trying to get away, the bear shows up and after her, because she's bloody as fuck from the wound that it inflicted on her. And she gets to no other place than the waterfall that they were trying to get to in the first place. Yeah. And based on Alex's information, the right way to go down that waterfall is on the right-hand side. So that's the way she remembered that and starts going down on the right-hand side. That was the wrong fucking side. She slips, eats shit, ends up breaking her goddamn leg. Uh, and, and you see it coming. It's not... No. This movie is predictable in the best sense of the word, because you feel the dread, you know it's coming, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You're just seeing mistake after mistake after mistake, and but there's I, I thought that helpless. was such a mean callback. It was a mean it was, callback. That was mean. Alex is already fucking dead, but <sighs> here he is after after dying. It was so sad. His lack of confidence and this bullshit comes back to haunt Jen. It's sad. It is sad. And then, again, just rushing through this because I feel like we've spent too long on this. <laughs> it's just a moment by moment, a great horror it is. movie. It is. Like, every moment movie. of it, I was so into she, it. She's got a broken fucking leg. There's still a bear. She ends up making it back to the goddamn canoe. She gets in the canoe. She's bloody as fuck. She's got a broken leg. She canoes back. And she finally makes it to the shore that they came up on. And she's, like, crawling up to the ranger station. And as she passes out... We see none other than Brad there giving instructions to one of the guides that he said that he tours. And he turns around because one of the guests is like, oh, my God. And he sees her and just, like, runs for her. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. So my last note on this movie is, oh, shit, it's Brad. But (laughs) I am trying to accurately critique this movie because I... To me, it was such a good horror movie, and I was so scared, but I don't totally love how it ended. It just seemed so far-fetched to me that she was able to find the canoe again. I kind of would have preferred if she would have been found by a helicopter or something, or saved the flare to signal a helicopter. I don't know how realistic it was for her to find the canoe, or if it was just by chance, but I kind of would have preferred it to be another way. Well, here's the thing. I actually am okay with it for if it... Circumstances were a little different. I wouldn't have been. But she found the goddamn waterfall, and the waterfall wasn't supposed to be that far off the trail. Okay. So you think she followed the water back? I think she just followed the fucking... From the waterfall, she was able to find the initial trail. Okay. Yeah, and she was delirious at that point. But yeah, I guess so. I just... I I kind of would have preferred... Had she not found that, and she was just out in the middle of fucking nowhere, and she found it, that would have been a different story. Okay, Yeah. I really don't have a lot of problems with this movie. It was I, frustrating seeing the mistakes they made, but people make mistakes like that all the time. No, I have no issue with the movie in itself. The beef I was referring to... With this type of survival horror? With this type of survival horror is... I already feel like there's a disconnect between nature and a lot of humans. Yeah. And this idea of just absolute fear of nature... And this idea of, I mean, don't get me wrong, nature is nature. It's an indiscriminate bitch at times. But it's also glorious and wonderful. And it's not that nature is out to fucking kill you at every chance it can. Yeah, you just have to be careful. It needs to be a a mutual respect type of thing. You need to be respectful. And it's also an idea of being, you know, having hubris. 
100%. And that's when most of these situations happen when people think that they are the exception to the rules. That's what I don't, yeah. And so I'm good with that part of it. Like, I just, Yeah, because I feel like it showed that, like, Bre- or, why do you keep calling him Brad? Alex, he wouldn't take a map. He, he wouldn't take a like compass. A he seems like a Brad <laughs> or a Chad. Or Chad. <laughs> but he wouldn't take a map. He wouldn't take the most basic precautions. He was overconfident. He wandered onto this closed trail, and then he wandered off of that closed trail. And he was just overconfident. And I feel like you you see that too often with people who think that the rules don't apply to them. It'll be different for them and they know what they're doing. And nature will shut that down. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm good. I think that's a good public service message. Yeah. I also feel that a lot of people, what they get out of this isn't that this guy made a bunch of mistakes and that's what led him down this path. It's that this guy decided to go on a camping trip and that's what happened. You think so? I just, not with everybody, but I do kind of feel like, and again, this movie in particular Maybe did a for great people who, job. who don't go camping very I mean. often. Yeah. yeah. I, this movie did a great job of making that distinction, and it didn't follow what I would consider the normal, like, survival horror tropes yeah. in that sense. But that's kind of my beef with this genre, if I will. I'm not saying I okay. have a beef with this movie because of it, yeah. but I just want to emphasize that Nature is not out to fucking kill you. And even, like, survivalist shows, you see that all the time. Like, I'm going to go pit myself against nature. Yeah. Why don't you just go be one with nature, bro? Yeah, I definitely see what you're talking about. I feel like this movie in particular did a really good job of making that distinction. But, again, if you're not super familiar with camping and the the rules that you should follow to be safe out there, then it could just kind of seem like this is what will happen to you if you go camping. Like it's inevitable. Yeah. So I did look up a couple of articles about this movie. I was really interested in the backstory and why Adam McDonald, the director, wanted this to be his first movie. And we get a little message at the beginning that this is based on a true story, which you see in a lot of horror movies. But I was interested in seeing like what story this was based on. And... There was an instance in the Canadian wilderness where a couple was out camping in somewhere in Ontario in one of these uh, provincial parks. And really sad story, like basically a bear attacked their camp and he was trying to protect his wife as she was being mauled by a bear. He was stabbing it with a knife and he was injured in the process too. He was able to get the bear away from them long enough to get his wife back to the canoe, but her injuries were so severe that she died in the canoe. And Adam McDonald kind of, to make a better story, like as a writer and to kind of play with certain themes, he very deliberately swapped the genders of which person would get fatally attacked by the bear to kind of play with these ideas of this inferiority complex that Alex has. So that was why he decided to swap it. He also really wanted to make sure that he didn't shy away from showing what it was really like for people who survive these animal attacks and how brutal and violent it really is. And I guess he got the idea initially when he and his wife were on a camping trip in Canada and they had a bear come sniffing around their tent and just the fear that they felt when that happened. And apparently he spent like three years studying black bears. And I looked this up too, like how common are these bear attacks? Um, It's definitely more common for grizzly bears to attack people For black bears, it's extremely rare. It does happen, but it's extremely rare. And it's about one in a million. And a majority of black bear attacks actually are instigated by confrontations with dogs, which I didn't know. People's dogs. It makes sense. 
apparently that's how the majority of black bear attacks specifically start. I actually like the choice of having it be a black bear. Yeah. Because I feel like grizzlies, I mean, most people are afraid of a grizzly bear. They have a reputation for good reason. For good reason. reason. (laughs) Or the Kodiak bears. Well, Kodiak is a grizzly. Okay. I was just thinking of that movie, The Edge, which is a great movie. No, I I, I learned this when I was in Alaska. They actually call, like, the distinction of a Kodiak bear is basically just a grizzly bear that lives in that area. Okay. Like in Alaska and Canada and that area. And it's like, the grizzly the big, bears big that ass bear. get so much protein from the salmon that they just grow to be enormous. Yeah, and this black bear in this movie was the biggest black bear I've ever seen. Yeah, so I beefy. liked it because, you know, a, a lot of people don't have the same kind of... Healthy respect. Res- healthy respect, that's a great way to put it. They don't have the same healthy respect for black bears, but they're still a goddamn bear. Yeah. And you should still respect them. Absolutely. Hang up your food. Bring a map. Make good decisions. Also, don't propose on a backpacking trip unless both of you are seasoned backpackers. Speaking from experience, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Pick a nice spot it up on a hill. The, it sounds a lot better <laughs> in your head than it does in practice. Yes. I'll tell you that right from personal experience. So overall, even though I never want to watch it again because I was so terrified, I thought this was a really, really good horror movie. Ditto. I think it nailed everything. I don't have any major issues with the movie. And like you said, it's not something that I would necessarily want to watch again regularly or anything like that. I don't think I could. It's a it's that right kind of predictable where it was really good this first time. I'm not sure it would be as good. It probably still would be. And then, as we already touched upon, it's for a very select group of people, I feel like. Yeah. And it's people that have felt those twinges of fear and have been in circumstances where, like, holy shit, that could have been so much worse. Yeah, or hearing that twig snap. Hearing the thing and wondering what it could be. So, if you're familiar with those sounds and you already kind of get that you know, sphincter clench when you hear a, <laughs> a twig snap, this is probably the movie for you. Absolutely. If you're listening to this and you're like, what's so fucking scary about a twig snapping? Don't watch it. I understand. Yeah. I completely understand. This is not for everybody. And I, I get it. Totally. So if I were to rate this just on a scary scale, I would give it a hundred percent because this absolutely terrified me. I don't think I've, out of all the movies we've done on this podcast, this one by far was the most frightening to me by a landslide. I've never seen you react like that to anything. I don't think I've ever been this freaked out by a movie since we watched Snowtown. Yeah. I think that, that was, was the, a different kind of freak out. A different kind of terror, but this was just my deepest, most primal fears. And it was done so well. And I just, I cannot wait to see what this director does next. He's good. I'm excited. And I can't wait to do Pie Whack It. I love that movie. This one scared me a lot more for sure, but I just have so much love for Pie Wacket. It's so good. So rating this movie, I I really don't have a lot of issues with it other than the few things we talked about. It's not for a very wide audience. It's not really high on the rewatchability scale. If I were to rate this on a scale of 0 to 12 beers, I think I would give this one a 10 out of 12. Only 10? I was going to go 10 and a half, but I feel like I've been giving a lot of halvesies. All right, you know what? You got me. Ten and a half. Well, okay, just in fairness, this is your scale. This isn't like a universal watchability scale. This is your rating. 
I'm going to do ten and a half. Wow, I yeah. thought you would do way higher. Ten and a half. It did its job too well, and it fucked me up. I'm traumatized. <laughs> That's what my gut says. My gut says ten and a half out of twelve. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to give it a full-blown 11. Okay. This was a solid movie. It I really got was. no critiques on this. Now you got me doubting myself. I honestly don't see why I don't, I'm not giving it a 12, other than the fact that it's probably not for everybody, but I feel like it's for the right... For the people that it's for, for the target audience, yeah. it's a 12 out of 12. If I were to rate it just on how effective it was at scaring me, it would be a 12 out of 12, but I don't have any reason to give it a lower score. I don't. I don't either. All right. So let's let's shake on it. Eleven out of twelve. Eleven out of twelve. Eleven out of twelve. It's a good fucking movie. It's a good fucking movie. And if you're a camper, it's probably a twelve out of twelve. Or a hiker, I should say. I, I'm glad that we covered it the day after we watched it because I really didn't want to sit with this movie all week. So something really funny, when this movie was over, I was super on edge and like sweating and adrenaline pumping. And I told Greg, like, I can't just go to bed after this. I need a palate cleanser. I need to put on something nice. So what does Greg put on? A fucking wilderness survival show in the middle of grizzly country. (laughs) Well, it was for a very particular reason. Yeah, you want to plug that real quick? I really do. So just getting back to my beef where, you know, there's so many people that are there's these, this genre kind of emphasizes nature being a bitch and people just going out there and dying all the time. (laughs) <laughs> um, we had touched upon the fact that I'd done some wilderness survival and tracking stuff. And I'm not saying by any means I'm any kind of expert at all. It's not what I do for a living. I don't get to do this on a weekly basis. You're like, not dangerously overconfident. No. Like, I enjoy it. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. And it was a profound experience. Say that too. But one of my instructors, while I was at this wilderness survival school with a guy named Matt Caradino and he was a super cool dude and probably one of my favorite instructors there. And I just found out recently that he is actually on the newest season of the show called Alone from the History Channel. I think it's season eight. Yeah, season eight. And it's airing right now. It's still... I think they're on like season, or I mean episode four or something like that. So it's been a a few weeks out, but he's one of the contestants that's on this thing. And if anybody that I thought had a chance, not even a chance, but if there's anybody that I thought would make it through a wilderness survival show of all the instructors that I had, like this is not, no joke, randomly if you would ask me, it would have been this guy. And it's not necessarily because of his skills, even though his skills are great. It's because of his attitude. Yeah. And his his outlook, the way that he approaches survival. So I put this on because <laughs> I wanted to start watching it and support him. But I do want to say that if you are into this at all, you should check it out and see what someone who actually does the right things can do when surrounded by grizzly bears. Yeah. I can't believe that's the palate cleanser you put on. And then, of course, I woke up at 3 a.m. just drenched in sweat and sketched out. Like, I I wasn't, I don't think I was having a bad dream or anything, but my adrenaline was just spiked after watching this movie. And ultimately, that's the high I'm chasing when I watch a horror movie. So it was extremely effective and it did its job. That it did. It really did. It, it absolutely terrified me. So kudos for that. I, Yeah, you talked me up. I'm going to have to, I guess 11 is fair. I don't know why I wanted to do 10, 10 and a half. I guess I was just so pissed off at Alex. I don't know. 
<laughs> and so scared. I was mad at how scared I was. So what kind of beer would you pair with this? I feel like both with ghost stories for some reason and these wilderness survival movies, the first thing that comes to mind is like a brown or an amber ale. And I also, when we go camping, we happen to bring some beer to enjoy. I love a good amber ale out in the woods. It's just, it kind of feels like getting back to the basics of beer, you know? I like something nutty. Yeah. So I feel like for this movie, it would pair really nicely with Anderson Valley has a lot of really good basic amber and brown ales. They have one called a Boont Amber Ale, and their logo is a bear with antlers. And I feel like it fits perfectly with this. But yeah, I would pair this one with the Boont Amber Ale from the Anderson Valley Brewing Company. Boont? Boont. B-O-O-N-T. Excellent. Go get yourself some Boont, people. Get a Boont. All right. Well, this was my pick, and it was a, it was a hell of a thing. So what are you going to subject us to next? You know, I think I need a little bit of a retreat from the super scary and intense. So we're going to watch something campy and fun that you haven't seen. Really? And that you need to see. We're going to watch, if I can find it, I think it's available on streaming somewhere. So we're either going to watch Dead Alive or if we can't find that, Bad Taste. Because I know that one's available. But I think Dead Alive we can find. Oh, thank you. So Dead Alive is also called Brain Dead, right? Right. And that's the Peter Jackson. Okay. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. You'll have fun. I think based on what I know about you and Ash versus Evil Dead. And how much I love Evil Dead. And how much you love it. There's no way you won't love this movie. All right. I'm excited. Thank you for choosing something nice. Yeah, I just wanted something fun. I appreciate it because I'm I'm pretty uh, my nerves are pretty fried after this one. Yeah, I don't want anything psychological. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Me either. I need a break from that. Just straight up stupid fun prosthetic horror. Excellent. All right, I'm looking forward to it. Well, as you guys know, you can follow us on Instagram at Blood Fear and Beer Podcast, and if you want to reach out and say hello, give us movie or beer suggestions. We really love to hear from you. You can email us at bloodfearandbeer at gmail.com. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. This was the first time that we ever just jumped into a recording so soon after watching a movie. I just, I had to talk about it. It's the first time we raw dogged it. Yep. Ew. <laughs> and if you guys get a chance, just if you could please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, we would be eternally grateful. And until next time, keep it spooky. And don't feed the fucking bears. Don't do it. Cheers. Cheers. Join us again for another episode of Blood, Fear, and Beer. Night and night. <laughs>